Alrighty. So <clears throat> it's an ambitious goal today because we're going to try to finish the Aleph base. And again, anytime you have any questions, you'll jump in and I'm happy to take it. If, if it seems like I'm going fast, I'm just going fast just to try to, to um, cover ground. But again, stop me at any point if I'm going too fast or if I lose you, uh, feel free to, to stop me. Um, but we're now in the latter part of the Aleph Bet. And what we've been saying up until now is that as we continue on in the Aleph Bet, the story becomes less of a story about God and the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, which was in the beginning of the Aleph Bet, and it becomes more of our story. It becomes more of our struggle. We pointed out that from the letters Mem to the end of the alphabet, which is tough, that's really the, that's our story. And the, the mem and the tough, which means the first letter in the second half of the alphabet, and the tough, which is going to be the last letter, if you put those two together, it spells mate. It spells death. Because from a purely physical perspective, we're always coming one step closer to death. This journey throughout our lifetime is a journey towards death. And while that might seem very morbid and dark and sad, and we don't like to think that way, from a Jewish perspective, we don't look at it that way. Because we say that we are only here for a limited amount of time, and the amount of spiritual growth that we do here is eternal. So we don't want, this soul doesn't want to be here for a long time. It wants to be here for a limited amount of time. It, early on in the Torah, when people lived for too long, it was bad for their spiritual health. The amount of time that we're here is perfect for what we need to accomplish our mission and move on to that eternal place where the soul goes after we die. So the second part of the alphabet, from the mem to the tough, is all about um, is, is all about that journey, the journey of struggle in this world. We said also that if you take the first letter of the alphabet together with it, so the aleph, and you put that together with mate, it's emet, which means truth. And that's going to play a very, very important role in today's class. Um, I'm going to share my screen with you, and we're going to jump right back into where we ended off last week. So here... Um, if we take a look here at the alphabet, so we see here that, again, this is the letter Mem that I was just mentioning, and this is the letter Tough. So we said that the entire journey in this world begins with the Nun, which is a Nifilah, which is a fall. We, we sort of fall from our spiritual soulful places where we come from into this physical world, but we're here for the Sama, for the fact that it's so mech Hashem like we say in Ashrei. We're here for God to support us through. And the main areas of struggle that we have in this world happen with our Ayin and with our Peh, right? This letter is the letter Ayin, which we translated the word Ayin as I. And Peh is mouth. So the next two letters are ayin and pet. So we spoke last week about the, the importance of realizing that so much of our work over here has to do with learning how to see, 
learning how to properly speak. A quick recap of those two letters. We mentioned last week that ayin, we, we often view, if, if, if I would ask you about peh, speaking, so the mouth, okay, is the mouth a source of output or is it a source of input? And clearly you would say it's both, right? It's output because I'm speaking, it's input because I'm eating, right? so it does both. It, it, it has that interaction with the world. Ayin, many people might look at an ayin, uh, about the, the, this concept of ayin and say, well, ayin, that ayin is about, um, is, is only input. Ayin is only what I see, what I take in. Is there any output with the eyes? And we, we answered last week and we said, absolutely, there certainly is. There certainly is output with the eyes because the same way we know in Kabbalah and Jewish tradition, there's a concept of ayin hara, that you could affect something for the negative with your eyes, same thing, there's a concept of ayin tov. Ayin tov means that you could look, at, if you learn to look at the world with positivity, you learn how to look with positive eyes, then you are projecting and you are affecting the world positively. Just because it's not tangible, we, we still can't minimize the power of our eyes and the power of looking positively upon things. We mentioned last week how if you look at the eyes, you see the eyes have four different colors, the dot, the color around it, the frame around the pupil, and the white part, and the four parts of the eye correspond to the four letters of God's name, Yud and Hey and Bub and Hey, and that's showing that we have this creative power with our eyes. Adding on to what we said last week, if we look at the numerical value of the letter Ayin, we see that ayin has numerical value 70. And 70, the number 70 represents different perspectives. In fact, we find many, many times this phrase throughout our sages that there's shivim panim Torah. There's 70 ways to understand any phrase in the Torah, which is amazing. It's amazing to think about that, right? We sit, we go to Torah classes. Any verse in the Torah can be understood 70 different ways. There were 70 members of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the high court that sat in the temple that made all the big decisions. There were 70 members. Why? This should be, right? They say, what do they say? Two Jews, three opinions. Over here, these were 70 Jews. <laughs> 70 of them. Imagine how many opinions. But that's the idea. It's different ways of looking at things. 70 nations in the world with 70 different languages. And again, we're talking about core nations. Obviously, there's more than that now. But at the core, if we look back in the Torah, when the world was originally divided into na different nations and languages, there were 70 of them. So again, that means there's 70 different cultures, 70 different ways to experience the world through that nation. And then the Torah refers to God with 70 different names. So again, the whole idea, the whole concept of, of the ayin, the letter ayin, which represents the eye, which represents perspectives, is showing how things can be seen uh, in, 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 in a different way. A beautiful, wonderful letter. The shape of the ayin itself is the two eyes and the optic nerve that connects in the back. And it stands for olam. The word olam, like baruch Hashem alokeinu melecha olam. Melech HaOlam means king of the world, but the word, the word world, Olam, has a double meaning. Both, it means both world, but it also means hidden. So Kabbalah teaches that the reason that the word world and hidden is the same thing is because we know the world is a way of concealing God. Why? So we could use our ayin, 
and find God. So we learn how to really see and find God in this big game of hide and seek. This whole world, the whole world that we live in is, is olam. It's a, it's, it's a hiddenness. It's a game of hide and seek with God. So we have to use our ayin to learn how to see God in the olam, in the hidden. And then finally, if we go back over here, we see that ayin comes right after samach, which we said samach is somech, to support. And the letter ayin also sounds like, and it has the same letters as the word ani, which is a poor person. Our job in this world is to be somech anim, to support people that are impoverished. And it doesn't only mean financially impoverished. It means the people that need our love, the people that need our attention. Right? Our job is to be so mechdianim, to support them, to use our eyes and really see what are the needs that people have. So again, we see this concept of ayin. This is the idea of learning how to look at the world. In fact, the, the, another word for a secret, you know the word for secret, uh, is sod. Sod means a secret. I want to tell you a secret, I want to tell you a sod. The numerical value of the word sod also equals 70, which is ayin, which is learning how to see. To learn, once we learn how to see people, right, we learn how to look at people, not at only what they're showing us, not only their facade, not only a superficial way, but we learn how to look deep inside people. I can look, I, I don't look at people's faces, I look into their faces, through their eyes, into their heart, into their soul. That's the way we're here to communicate. So Ayin is just a very, very, very powerful letter. Almost as powerful as the very next letter, which, not almost as powerful, but, but powerful as is the next letter, which is the letter Pei, which we said is mouth. So once we have mastered seeing, then we have to master speech. And by the way, it's specifically done in that order. It's specifically done ayin and then pain. First we see, then we speak. The problem is that so many people in this world just talk, 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 talk. We don't know if it's true. We didn't investigate. We didn't research. We didn't really learn to see. We only learned how to talk. The, the Aleph Bet is teaching by putting the ayin before the peh. First we have to learn how to see. First we have to learn how to understand. First, we have to learn how to contemplate. And then we can formulate our opinion. Then we can learn how to speak. How to speak. The same way that ayin is output, and we're creating with our eyes, we're also creating with our mouth. I want to show you something incredible, incredible. We take a look over here. I'm going to show you just the letter pay, the way it's written in the Torah. You see it? Okay. So if you take a look at the letter Pei, the way it's written in the Torah, we know that how did God create the world? God created the world through the power of speech. God said, let there be light. So God spoke the world into creation. If you take a look at the Pei, so we see a line at the top and a line at the bottom, and these two lines represent the two lips. Then this little line coming down over here, if you take a look, this is an upside down Yud, which we've spoken about many, many times in the series, that the Yud is the pintle Yud, it's the point, it's the spark of godliness. So if you take a look at the letter Pei, the letter Pei, which means mouth, we see this image of, of a mouth, upper lip, lower lip, and what's found inside of it? What's found inside of it is a Yud is a spark of godliness, because everything that comes out of our mouth should be godly. And this is 
if you, I don't know if you're, you're noticing, but what I'm about to tell you is really going to hopefully blow your mind. And that is if you take an even closer look at the pay with the little yud coming down, look now at the hidden letter that's hidden inside the pay. You want to see what it is? It's the letter bet. The very first letter of the alpha, well, not the first, the first letter was an aleph, but the very first letter of the Torah is biracious. In the beginning, God created the world and beginning with the letter Beth, Bereshis. So we see the power of creation that hidden inside the pay is the letter Beth. Just in case you don't see like the hair, I'll just, I'll highlight it over here. This letter right here, this white letter right there, it's hidden, that's the letter Beth. So God spoke the world into creation. God spoke Bereshis into creation. Sorry. Okay. So right over here, again, so the letter pet is the letter of mouth. It's the letter of speaking. It's the years that Joseph ruled in Egypt because it's, it's a letter of leadership. We lead with our mouth. We lead with the power of speech. We create with the power of speech. Let's take a quick pause over here before we move on. And let me hear from you if this is all making sense. We can take a pause over here if anyone has any questions. I'll take a little bit of a sip of a drink while you're processing this. Okay, are we good? Yeah, Angie, we're good. Nancy, good. Beth, fantastic. Okay, so we have the iron and the pep. That's what we spoke about last week. And now going back to our chart, when a person learns how to master their, their eyes and their mouth, their power of sight and the power of speech, the next letter is the tzadi. The tzadi. And the tzadi, like we said, is also referred to many times as tzadik, which means somebody who is righteous. The righteous person is the one that masters the ayin and the peh. You master the ayin and the peh, you become a tzadik. And in fact, if you take a look over here at the letter tzadi, you see something very interesting. You see that it's actually a composite also of two letters. It's the letter Nun over here. It's sort of a crouched letter Nun. Remember, Nun was the letter of Nifilah. Nun was the letter of falling. Over here, it's a Nun that's carrying something on its back. What does it have on its back? Our good old friend, the Yud. The Pintalid, the spark of godliness. It's true, we're in this world. And, and coming into this world from being spiritual souls to be human, physical human beings is a nifilah. It is a fall. But if you learn how to master your eye and master your vision, master your power of speech, then now you've taken on the role, you've taken onto your back the letter Yud, the spark of godliness, and you have become this beautiful letter, the letter of the tzaddik. Wow. Right? Amazing how everything over here comes together. Okay, the next section of the alphabet is perhaps the most profound. So this is where we are right over here. And I wanna take a look right now at the next three letters together. We're gonna to look at these three together, okay? So we just did the ayin, we did the peh, we did the tzaddik. This is just the variation of the tzaddik, as you see, it's, this is the way it looks when it's found at the end of the word. But now we get to the next three letters. These letters, again, in this chart, it has it with the Q, 
But this letter is called the letter Kuf. The letter Kuf has a K sound, at least the way we pronounce it. So um, it's, um, it's called a Kuf and it has a K sound. The next letter is a Resh, it has the R sound. And the next letter is the Shin with the Sh sound. Now, if you take a look at these three together, it's, there's a couple of different, if you saw a couple of different times throughout our series. So we put the Bet, the, the, the bet Gimel and the Dalit together to spell Beged. We put the Chaf Lamed and the Mem together to spell Melech. And we're going to do the same thing today. We're going to put these three letters together. And we're going to focus on these three letters in different orders. We're not going to discuss it in this specific order as the Kuf and the Resh and the Shin, which would spell Keresh, but we are going to discuss two different variations of it. If let's say you took the Shin and you put it here in the beginning, it would spell the word Sheker. It would spell the word Sheker. Does anybody know what the word Sheker means in Hebrew? Sheker, Beth, I don't know if you're talking, but I can't hear you. Well, while you're um, unmuting yourself, that's so Sheker is one, one word. Or if, if instead of putting the Shin here in the beginning, you put it in the middle, it would spell Kesher, like the synagogue in Washington, D.C. is called Kesher. So it could either spell Sheker or it could spell Kesher. Beth, you still want to make your comment? Okay, so the word, so here are these two words. The word Sheker means falsehood. Beth, is that what you, what you were going to say? Sheker is falsehood. Now the word Kesher is connection. Now if you think about both of these words and how they relate to these letters and where they are in the, in, in the alphabet, one sees something very interesting. We're right here and we're close to the end of the alphabet, which means that we're very, very far away from the Aleph where we started. We're, we're really very far along in our journey. And obviously, the more that you are into this journey of being embodied as a human being, in a world that is really meant for struggle, one would understand that as we're nearing the end of the alphabet, this could be a very dangerous place. We could be entering into the netherworlds. We could be entering into, into a place so far in our journey that we don't even remember where we came from. So therefore, it's not surprising that over here, hidden within these couple of letters, over here, these few letters, we have this word sheker, which means falsehood, because in our descent, in our struggle, it is very likely to fall into the trap of falsehood, as this world is often referred to in many of the Kabbalistic texts of Olam HaSheker, a world of falsehood. Because this is a world of challenge. This is, one would say that this, that one would not be able to claim that our world is one that embodies truth. Okay, the concept of fake news, which is such a big buzzword and it's so true and it's so problematic, is really just a symptom of the fact 
that this world is really here, the external world is really here to try to manipulate us and send us off course, unless we have full clarity on who we want to be, unless we're always ready to challenge who we've become and say, I want to find more clarity, I want to find more truth and more truth and more truth. If not, then we just get swept away with the Olam HaSheker, with the world of falsehood, with the world of fake news, with the world of fake values. Right? Not a day should go by that we don't ask ourselves, how did we get here? And our worldview, what, what has shaped our worldview? Are, are we really searching for the truth? Are we really committed to finding the truth? Are we really ready to change our lives to, to adapt to what we have now gained clarity as to what truth is? If not, then we're just caught, we're wrapped up in this Olam HaSheker. And again, it's not going to happen between today and tomorrow or tomorrow and the next day. It's a slow unfolding process right? where every single day of our life should be a day about, about you know, questioning our values and saying, I want to go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper until I find that truth. But if not, if I'm just being swept away, if my opinions today are the exact same opinions that I've had for the last decade, and I've never upgraded, and it's not, and today is not Shlomo Buxbaum 2.0, I hope more than 2.0, right? But if it's not an upgraded version, and if I'm still the same guy that I was 10 years ago, with the same opinions, with the same, then have I been open to learning? Have I expanded myself? Have I expanded my knowledge? Or am I just caught up in just the same sameness? That's that's the trap of the Olam HaSheker, of the world of falsehood. It lulls us to sleep. It lulls us to just this to, to the world of sameness. Being just being the same, just going with the flow, group thing. What does everyone tell me? What does fake news have to tell me today? What, what, what are they trying to sell me? How am I being sold? How am I selling out? So one, so it's not unusual, it's not a surprise to find these words at the at this to find this word here at the end of the of, of the al- alphabet, this word of sheker, this world of falsehood. But the other word, which is the word kesher, kesher means a knot. Kesher means a bond. And it's not a coincidence that we would find this word here at the end of the alphabet. Because again, as we're so far away from the Aleph, as we're so far away from this original, from the, the ineffable light, from the light of God, we're so far away. But yet, there's something reassuring over here, and that is that if we're looking to hang on, we could form this Kesher, we could form this bond. The Kesher means a tight knot. We're not letting go. We're not letting go of the godliness. No matter what the world throws at us, I'm here. I'm Mikushar. I'm connected. I'm connected to that point of godliness. So we have over here these two words over here. Are you in the world? Are you in the Olam HaSheker? Are you part of the world of falsehood? Or are you part of the Olam HaKesher? Are you part of the world of connection? That choice, that free will choice, is brought out in the most extreme sense when we're over here about to end the alphabet. Any questions on that? And then we're we're just going to take a closer look at each one of these letters individually. But any questions on this before we continue? It's a powerful, powerful idea.
Okay, let's take a look at each of these letters individually. Okay, we have here the Kuf. This letter Kuf is a very, very amusing letter. Does anyone know what the word Kuf what, 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 what is a kof? Anybody know? A kof, if you go to the zoo and you ask to see the kofs. It's a, a monkey. Kof, a kof is a monkey, exactly. Yeah. A kof is a monkey. So it's an unusual letter to share a name with the word monkey. <laughs> By the way, a kof is also, when we say on Simchat Torah, Right, on Simchat Torah we have, we, we do hakafot. So a hakafa, a hakafa itself is when you circle, like on, on, you insert, because we dance in a circle. So a hakafa is a circle, right? So um, it, perhaps the reason why monkey and going around in a circle share the same word is because, right, if let's say you push mute, right, if you see a bunch of people dancing, right, they're dancing in a circle, and then you click the mute button, if you just see their external movements, it's kind of pretty silly, right? Somebody who's never seen dancing before, right, and then suddenly, well, you're like, what are these, they look like a bunch of animals. So hakafad, the idea of dancing is also somewhat, it's kind of, you know, this monkey business. But there's a powerful lesson over here. The letter kuf is right next to the letter tzadik. In fact, the reason that it's called a tzadik and not a tzadi, which is its real name, is because tzadik kuf sounds like tzadik. In this world, you can be a tzadik, you can be righteous, you can be a, a, somebody who masters, who's enlightened, who, who masters oneself. But if you're not, what are we really? We're just monkeys. What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, monk is a powerful message with the monkey. Hashem, God, really, the, the, the monkey was God's sense of humor. Because God created an animal which in many, many ways is almost identical to just a very silly, thoughtless human being. One of the reasons why kids enjoy watching the monkeys is because the monkeys act so similar. Their movements, at the way they, 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 their interactions, it's almost like just watching a bunch of, you know, very silly little children. So it's very, very amusing. And if, if, if a person would really, if, if we would, if we would really strip away all of our das, all of our higher consciousness, all of our sophisticated consciousness, right, and then we would just run around playfully, right, we, we'd be monkeys. Again, God made them slightly different in order that, that one shouldn't, God forbid, um, think that, you know, we're, we're, we're somewhat related, you know, to these beings. They are animals, but in a way, they're very, very similar. But the, the lesson, the lesson of the monkey is that if somebody gets caught up in the Olam HaSheker, just because you can speak, just because you have a fancy vocabulary, 
just because you wear nice clothing and just because you can put on, on a nice tie. But if the tzaddik, the person who's truly enlightened, who's truly enlightened, who really looks for the truth, when, when the tzaddik looks around at this world at those who are just so caught up, so caught up in the Olam HaShaker, in the world of falsehood, your whole, your whole life, not your, right? The person's whole life is just about their job and then just about just, you know, job and I, I, I work to eat and then I eat to work and then I, everything is just about going on vacation so I can go on vacation and then be on vacation, not even be focused on my vacation because I'm just checking my texts and I can't really fully get away from my work. And then when I'm, when I'm, when, when I'm at work, I want to be home. When I'm at home, I want to be at work. When I'm with my Kids, I want to be with my wife and with my wife, I want to be with my friends, right? It's, you're, it's just a hakafa. You're just going around in circles. Life becomes a big circle. Life is just monkey business. The tzaddik, the enlightened one, looks upon, and again, I'm not saying he looks down upon, I'm just saying from the perspective of the tzaddik, from the perspective of someone who's truly enlightened, they look at this world as just monkey business. It's just, it, it, it's, it's just a bunch of kupim, just a bunch of, of monkeys. So that's the message of the monkey. And that's why it's connected over here to the olam hasheker, the world of falsehood. Now, by the way, Kabbalah has something called a holy monkey, believe it or not. What is a holy monkey? You know what a holy monkey is in Kabbalah? A holy monkey is somebody whose monkey business the same way that the monkey's trying looks like it's trying to imitate the human being, the holy monkey is the non-enlightened human being who wants to come close to the tzaddik, who wants to come close to the righteous person, but they're not there yet. So they say, listen, I know that I'm not there, but I'm going to fake it until I make it. I'm going to fake it not for the sake of being fake. I'm going to fake it for the sake of becoming real. If, if, if I try to act enlightened enough and I'm always trying to take another step, another step, I know that I'm pushing myself beyond who I really am. I know that I'm being somewhat of an imitator, but I'm doing it for the sake of discovering the holiness. A person has a role model. So a person's supposed to take on a spiritual master, a role model, and just imitate them because through that imitation, you will become more like that person. It's the external movement that's supposed to ignite the internal. It's the motion that ignites the emotion. That's the holy monkey. The holy monkey is one who's trying to imitate a more enlightened, a, a higher, greater spiritual master for the sake of trying to come closer to them. And that's why the story in the alphabet is like this, going back to sharing the screen. If we take a look, if we move on to the next letter, we're going to come back. We're not done yet with the kuf. But if we take a look at the next letter, which is the letter resh, and the letter resh sounds a lot like the word rasha, right? The word rasha. What is a rasha? A rasha is an evildoer. A rasha is somebody who's just caught in the trap of sin. Nobody is inherently evil, but the rasha, like we have the rasha, the evil son at the Seder, the rasha has fallen into the trap of sin so much that he's just caught in that web. And if we take a look at the kuf, right over here, I'm pointing with my mouse, 
the kuf is right in between the tzaddik on the one side and the rasha on the other side. Literally caught in between the kuf is a symbol of free will. Right? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be similar to the tzaddik who's on this side of you or the rasha who's on that side? You could decide, you determine. Take a look at the letters that begin with kuf. Kedusha. Kedusha is holiness, absolute holiness. The greatest achievement that one can have in this world is Kedusha, is to be holy. But it's also klipa. Do you know what the word klipa means? Klipa means a husk, a shell. In Kabbalah, a klipa is what traps you, what, 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 what stops you from becoming your full potential. The kuf could either be Kedusha or it can be klipa depending on whether it looks back to the tzaddik or downward, whether it looks up to the tzaddik rather, or downwards to the rasha. Does that make sense? The rasha, the rasha himself, if we take a look at the resh, the word rash means a pauper, it means to inherit because Inherit is by nature an act of receiving something, taking, not in a bad way necessarily, just like a pauper is not in a bad way. But again, it does show a certain vacancy, a certain void. But the letter Rish also, besides for sounding like Russia, evildoer, or Rosh, a pauper, it also sounds like the word Rosh. What does Rosh mean? Ahead. So that shows that, again, the same thing, right? The same way that the words could either be kesher or sheker. Every single one of these letters can be understood depending on the choices that you make in life. Sheker, falsehood, or kesher, connection. The kof, the monkey. Are you going to become a kof of kedusha, a monkey of holiness, or are you going to become a kof of connected to the Russia. I'm sorry, a kof of klipa, of husk, which is connected to the Russia. The same thing with the resh. Are you going to be a rash, impoverished, spiritually poor, or are you going to be the rosh? You're going to be the head. Are you going to get in touch with your mind? Are you going to allow your clear thinking, your mindfulness to bring you back to the place of kesher, to the place of connection? You know, it's very interesting because if you take a look at the letter Resh, which means Rush, which means a pauper, so it shares, it's almost identical to this letter, the letter Dalit, which, by the way, if you remember, one of the translations of the letter Dalit was Dal, to be poor. So both the Dalit and the, and, and, and the Resh, both of them mean poverty, and they're both almost identical, except something very interesting. There's one difference between the Dalit and the Resh. The Dalit has a little arrow pointing backwards. The Resh doesn't. When a person is impoverished, if they're looking back, and remember the Dalit is looking back to, to the Aleph, it's looking back to God. If somebody is going through a struggle, if some, someone is going through any type of poverty, but they say, I want to look back, and I know that this is a challenge that's coming from God, then you become a delet, you become a doorway back to God. You become an opening back to God. But without that, then you're just a rush. Then you're just poor. 
that will get you into the bad place, the evil place, the, the, the sad place of the Rasha. If you take a look at the these two letters together, the Kuf and the Rish together, they, these two letters together spell the word Kar. Kar means cold. Kar means cold, which means this person is cooled off. This person is not, this person who's allowed themselves, the Kuf, that's allowed himself to get affected by the Rish, Instead of turning back towards the tzaddik, this person who's in this place of struggle, instead of turning to the tzaddik, to the righteous person, turns towards the rasha, turns, turns towards the rash, the pauper, the evildoer, that person becomes kar. The person becomes cooled off. They've lost their heat. They've lost their fire. They've lost their passion. And how do you save the person who has gotten caught in this kar, in this coldness? You insert the shin in the middle, and then it becomes kesher, then it becomes connection. We know that the shin, so hang on one second here. We know that the shin itself, the shin is, might be a letter that you're very, very familiar with. Everyone here has a mezuzah on their door, right? The mezuzah has a little shin on it. Why does it have a shin on it? It stands for Shaddai, Shakai, the name of God. You've seen the tefillin. The tefillin box has a shin on it. When you tie the tefillin on your hand, you make a shin. Shin is really the letter that brands everything in the physical world to remind you that even in this physical world, you could connect back to God. Shin is the stamp of God on the physical world. In fact, the very name Shabbat alludes to that. So therefore, when you take the shin, you take the holy letter of the shin and you include it, you insert it here in between the kuf and the resh, you get kesher, you get connection like the kesher of the tefillin, which connects you back to God in this world. But if it's left at the end, if the shin is left over here at the end, then it becomes sheker. If you're not paying enough attention to the shin, if the shin just gets lost at the end, then the shin also just becomes part of, of the falsehood of the world. We'll stop here for any questions. I know we're doing a lot of jumbling of letters and throwing a lot of words at you, and I hope that it's not overkill. But again, if you just, I'm going to send out the recording, review it again, um, and it'll make sense the more, the more that you listen to it. I know there's a lot here, but before we get to the last letter, I just want to stop and see if, if, if I lost you, if there's any questions that you'd like to ask at this point. So let's... Um, yeah, so let's let's now take a look at the last letter and let's complete uh, this wonderful one again. I just want to thank everyone, everyone again. Um, I've said this many, many times throughout the series. I have enjoyed this so much. I've had really the privilege of teaching it on this Wednesday class as well as in my Monday night class. And just, I mean, the, the more I teach it, the more I enjoy it. I, I need to find, I'm going to just go out in the street and find some other people to teach it to. Just because I, I, I enjoy it so much. But, um, and that's why I share. I mean, I'm, I'm sending out the recordings and feel free, just, you know, share them with people if you, if you feel it, they'll, they'll enjoy it. Um, uh, but let's take a look here at the last letter, and that is the letter Tuf. And, and a lot of what we're going to say now about the letter Tuf has already been said. But the Tuf really ends the journey. We show two different uh, letters, two different words 
significant words, words that play a role in this discussion of the alphabet that end with tough. The first one was emet, aleph, the first letter of the alphabet, mem, the middle, and tough, the last one. And what we said when we took a look at this word emet is that if you really want the truth, if you really want to experience truth, we need to be able to look at the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, and the end of the story. The problem is that we never know the end of the story because the story isn't over. There is no story that's over. We're always just at the point of the story that we are right now. So we can never fully, there is no truth that we can ever fully, fully, fully grasp. We can only grasp more truth and more truth and more truth. So even though throughout this journey, we end up in this olam hashaker, in this world of falsehood, but it's only for the sake of getting to the point of the tough, to getting to the end of the story, which, which only when we're at the end of the story can we get out of this weave, uh, this, this, this web of sheker, and connect to the true emet. It's only at the end of the journey of our lives, when we're already in that next phase, in the next world, can we look back at our lives and say, oh, now I understand. Now I understand why I had these parents. Now I understand why I had these children. Now I understand why I had these siblings. Why was I born here? Why was I born now? We won't know that emet until the story is over. We won't ever fully understand this planet, the story of humanity, until when Mashiach comes, when the Emmet will be revealed, because we're not at the end of the story yet. It's only once we get to the top, once we get to the end, that we can look back and fully understand the Emmet. And that's also why the letter mate, like we said, which means death. It's only when we get to that beautiful afterlife that we can look back and discover the emet within the mate. Because from our perspective, we're just dying. But at that point, when we get there, now we're like, oh, one second, I wasn't just dying. I was discovering the emet. I was discovering the truth. If we take a look at the letter, tough. If we take a look at the letter. So it has the numerical value of 400. 400. Number one, we find 400 for the first time in the Torah. It's the amount that Abraham spent to purchase the plot of Hebron, to bury Sarah. So again, we're seeing this connection between 400 and death, mate, dying. But Hebron itself, which is just a fascinating, a fascinating word for a, for a place, a burial spot, Hebron. I don't know if anyone here has been to Hebron. You can go there now. You can go to the cave of Machpelah. Right? But um, the, the word itself, Hebron, has in it the word Chibor, which means connection. Fascinating place for a burial plot, meaning a place of connection, like eternal connection. And Abraham purchases it for 400 shekel, which is numerical value of tough, to show we hear that this death, this, this experience of death, which the Torah is confronting really for the first time when Abraham purchases that, has this message over here of 400. It's also, it's also the, um, the, uh, Abraham's, it's all, 
here, the time of the complete exile that Abraham prophesied about, when God spoke to Abraham and said, your children are going to be in exile, which was eventually the exile, the slavery that we had in Egypt. He says it's going to last for 400 years, which according to the Torah's count begins with the birth of Isaac. But it's a 400 year exile. So profound. We know that the Jewish people are born in exile. We're born in Egypt. We go through 400 years of pain, questioning, wondering, why is this happening? What did we do wrong? Only to come out on the other side and realize, oh, one second, we went through this whole thing because of the greatness that would happen afterwards. We have to go through 400 years of hell to discover Sinai, to end up at, at Mount Sinai. So 400 is the number of exile, but it's an exile with a purpose. Because if we look at this whole journey here that we're on, our whole life in a sense is a Mitzrayim. It is a journey through, through exile. And again, exile can have joy also. And I'm sure there were beautiful moments in Egypt as well. Right? You can have a beautiful experience in exile. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. There'll be joy along the way. There'll be just enough joy to keep you going and just enough sadness to keep you working on yourself. And then after that 400-year exile is over, and you leave, suddenly you're like, okay, well, where's the next adventure going? The next adventure is Sinai. The next adventure is receiving the Torah. The next adventure is understanding why you had to go through that whole thing. And that's what's represented by the letter Tough, the number 400, to show that the whole journey, it's a journey that began with the Aleph, with this ineffable one, this Orin Sof, this light of God, being concealed in the Beged. The journey, the struggle of the Shechina trying to expose itself and become the Pintal Yid standing alone. The journey to try to create, to try to discover God as being the Melech, which was in the middle of the alphabet. The journey from the Mem to the Tav, which was the struggle in this world and how we need to rely on God to get out of our Nefilah by using our ayin and our pet, by using our eyes and our mouth to try to connect and become the tzaddik rather than, than, than to get caught in this world of sheker. And then the final letter, the letter tough, and by the way, the letter tough, if you take a look at the form of the letter tough itself, it's, it, it looks like it has a little bit of a foot sticking out, saying like, I'm stopping, like, this is where it is. This is the final step. This is the little foot over here. And the foot shows, this is the end, right? This is, this, this is where I stop. This is where I stand. To show that this whole journey is, a, is just a journey about returning. You know, in many of the Kabbalistic books, you'll find that the alphabet is written as a circle. So that you go alphabet, all the way back to Tav, and the next letter is right back to the alphabet. This whole journey, this whole descent down into this world is also we could return and get back to that olive, get back to that godly place. And when we do, close the circle and understand truly the emet, the true reason why we were here, why we were put here, and how our souls were really only here to benefit from the journey and get back to God and become even holier. And that's pretty much the end of the spiel. <laughs> So, 